0: Hello everyone and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher uh, Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass. Uh, So last week, not very much to talk about in the hockey world. All-star break, bunch of teams on bye weeks, though a bunch of teams were coming off bye weeks or going on to. uh, In the case of the Leafs, after the All-Star break, there is a lot more that's happening. There's been some trades. Now rumors are firing up for the trade deadline. Uh, A few other things to talk about. The NHLPA has hired a new head. Uh so we might talk about that today uh and I feel like there's some contract signings that we need to discuss and a few I believe I missed last week so we might touch on those also but before we get to all that and since we weren't able to do it last week because it was a double fantasy week or a two week long week for fantasy if you will uh I can do a fantasy update now so as always, starting with the big pool. Uh, unfortunately, I lost 8-3 uh, to three to a team that was tied for the 8th spot. Uh, they now have taken over the 8th spot by a single point to the team that is in ninth. that I'm now playing this week, so that's also fun. Uh, so that's not great. Um, once again, I have Matthews injured, so that's unfortunate, especially in this pool. Um, and I think the worst part was I had enough goalie starts and I had decent stats. And because the New York Islanders, who had just acquired Bo Horvat, and I assumed would go on a little bit of a heater, uh, would have a decent week because of their opponents. Unfortunately, they lost 6-5 to five to Vancouver, And then also somehow managed to lose to Montreal. Uh, And after that Vancouver start got blown, I was like, well, I guess I got to play him against Montreal now. And then it was a 4-3 loss to Montreal. That was Varlamov, not Sorokin. But somehow managed to accidentally bench Frederick Anderson for his five goals against to the Rangers. Um, So that was handy, though it didn't help. So despite some unfortunate weeks from some of my better players, I lost 8-3 to and I'm now in 5th place and probably can kiss away any chance that I had of ever finishing 1st overall in this pool. Uh, playoff spot now closer to the bottom of this, well, 8th than I am to 1st, which is not great either. I am currently uh, 4 points up on ninth place, and I play him this week, so that is, if I, he beats me by one than the two categories, he could potentially take my spot. So, big week for me in this pool. Um, at one point, I thought I was going to be pretty, pretty set in the playoffs, and now it looks like that's going to be a little more, and it's not, I have two losses in the last, like, Two months and a tie, and I, yeah, that's weird, but it is what it is, I guess. Um, last time I played the team that I lost to this week, I beat them 8-1, so I would I'd like to see that happen again, Uh, but it didn't, and I did, oh, that's where I am in the schedule. Oh, I got a tough, potentially tough schedule coming up for the rest of the year, too. That's not great. We got one, two, three, four, five weeks left. And playoff time. Okay. Over to the points pool. Um, I pulled off a five point victory and I'm now back into a playoff spot, Uh, which is fine. Like I've said on this podcast, I'm just kind of riding it out in this pool uh, because I'm definitely not good enough to get first overall but I'm still potentially bad enough to miss the playoffs, so I'm tied for the, basically I'm in a fifth of sixth playoff spots uh, because I have more total points, so I'm in on a tiebreaker, though I do have a tiebreaker on a few teams that are still in front of me, um, but there's one team behind me that does have me in a tiebreaker, and they're only one game back, so guess we'll just see how it goes still here. Um Nothing much happening in this pool. Let's just click on trades. None. Literally not a single trade in this pool. All season. It's very fun. Super exciting. <laughs> oh man. I almost made some trades on the weekend actually when I thought I was going to lose this week and basically that might have actually cemented my uh well maybe not based on how the standings are shaking out now i would have been in eighth place right no i would have been in seventh yeah so not much of a difference i guess um so onward and upward i am in fifth now playing the eighth place team this week so let's see how that goes and we're gonna shift on over now to the auction pool where I pulled off a five to four victory over uh, hated rival benchwarmers, um, so I am in eighth now, uh, six games under five hundred still, but I am in a playoff spot, so that is very nice. Uh, I would never made the playoffs in this pool, uh, and in a, you never know what can happen in the playoffs. So, I mean, my goalies right now are Bob Vegmelkin, Copley, um, so that's. Maybe not ideal for winning a championship, but Bob had a good week last week. Copley had a shutout, but unfortunately I had him on the bench for that. I mean, Vegemalka's Vegmalka. For the most part, he will be okay with your peripherals. He'll probably have one game a week where he lets in four goals, and you got to try and predict when that is, but you never know. So you just roll him every week and then... Like, here are his save percentages over his last handful of games. 917, loss. 879, loss. 972, win. Shutout, win, obviously. <laughs> 943, win. 838, loss. So, he's actually probably good. He, it, I'd be interested to see if somebody trades for him. I heard there's rumors that... He could, yeah, we'll might talk about that. I think I have that written down for later. So we might talk about that later. Anyways, um, so I went two and one overall of my three pools and lost in the one pool that I definitely wanted to win the second most in, (laughs) though I didn't win as much in auction as I, I could have. I only lost by two shots and 12 hits, which, I mean, isn't a ton. So that's unfortunate, Um, but because it was a finish of a week, I can do my poo-poo performer and my super-duper stars for my teams last week, and as is general tradition, I pick my poo-poo performer from the team that lost for me. So my poo-poo performer for this week is Mr. Joe Pavelski, who is a minus two with five shots on goal and three hits. It's not... I can get those numbers on waivers. Every week from one guy maybe. That's not ideal. How many games did he play last week? At least two. Ugh, that's not great. No points. He hasn't been yeah, he's generally been fine. Not tearing up the power play this year as much, but he's around. I'm interested to see if I end up keeping him or not. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh okay, so super duper star for the week. Uh this was a pretty easy call as far as I was concerned. Uh from my points pool team, Mr. Artemi Breadman Panarin, uh who had nine points last week. <laughs> uh four goals on nine shots. That's it's quality piece of business there, Mr. Panarin. A quality piece of business. Okay, I guess that's a good as place as any to transition to the recent trade that happened. Uh, And it's a relatively big one. Takes one of the bigger, I would say the second biggest forward off the board, Uh, depending on how you feel maybe about Patrick Kane. um, Currently. (laughs) Not as a career, just as of right now. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, got traded to the new york rangers with Nico mikola uh the blues retained 50 percent of tarasenko's salary which brought him down to a 3.75 and in return the st louis blues got a conditional first round pick which is basically they get the later of the uh, the rangers or stars pick uh, that the rangers own uh, from this season and a 2024 fourth round pick uh if the rangers make the playoffs in 2023 the fourth round pick becomes a third rounder so that would be next season if the rangers make the playoffs the next season uh they get a third round and they have to send a third instead of fourth so interesting because he's ufa after this year that's in. that's fun i guess okay oh yeah also hunter skinner uh and sammy blay Got to go back to St. Louis. Um, the first thing that made me... Th- the fact that when I heard that Tank went to the Rangers, I was really interested to hear who went back because I thought it would be really hilarious if Sammy Blay was going back, but he was. Um, Sammy Blay basically cancels out the Nico Mikola uh, ad because he's 1.5 for 1.9. Um, so that more or less balances that salary out. I, okay, return, let's just do this return-wise from the Blues perspective, two picks and just literally two players, like, I don't, okay, I don't really know anything about Hunter Skinner, maybe I should at least half-ass look into this guy here, Uh, where was he drafted, all that kind of stuff, he's a fourth-round pick in 2019, he's currently playing in the ECHL, or the AHL, depending on, I'm not quite sure how this goes, but he paid in the AHL last year. So I'm assuming he's probably in the E this year. He played for the E last year. He's, he's just a guy. It looks like I would say he's probably in the, maybe not even an NHL player category. Who knows? He's 21 though. So you never know. Right defense, six two. I don't know. I guess if he, he's got lots of time, but he looks like just a contract move. Maybe I don't know if you're going to get a lot of value there. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is a great return. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tarasenko had some form of no movement clause, so that obviously plays a huge factor because um, he's only going to allow you to trade him to where he wants to go. I'm sure the Rangers were basically his only team or one of the big teams that he wanted to go to to play with his buddy Panarin, or at least be on the same team. Igor's there too. I don't know if they know each other, but Russia, right? Um, so, I don't know. I guess for what you could get out of it, it's fine. I mean, he's a UFA and you pulled a first a fourth and and a couple of guys. I guess that's, like, the bull that trade. I don't, I mean, he was signed, though. I don't know, whatever. This is fine, I think, return-wise for St. Louis. Like, I don't, you were hoping for a first and a player, I would have, Ideally went for two, I would have probably asked for a better player than a fourth round pick, but like I would have not wanted Blay, Skinner, or the fourth and just asked for like one better player slightly, but maybe that wasn't on the table, Um, I don't know, Sammy Blay at 1.5 is whatever, he's literally just a guy right now too. However, for the Rangers, uh, this fills a huge need, this gives you two top six Well, essentially top nine, because you got the kid line together now that's just absolutely going nuts. This gives you a very, very formidable top nine, like very formidable, like one of the better top nines in the entire NHL. Um, Your defense is fine. You have Adam Fox, who's a Norris candidate. You have Canada Miller glow up happening already. Truba's Truba, and he brings something that a lot of teams don't have on their back end. Um, and then you got, what else you got? Well, you got guys, but now you got Mikola back there. Um, and he's probably better than the garbage that you're putting on that, but bottom pairing that you usually had. So that's solid. I think it's a really good deal for the Rangers. Like this is a hell of a deal. You gave up nothing as far as I'm, for what this team is right now. You didn't give up anything. You literally give up nothing, nothing. You have Lafrenia, you have Kako still there. Heel is still young. Like you don't need picks right now. You need tangible assets to get this team to where it could potentially go this year. Like this is, just, they're a legitimate cup contender as far as I'm concerned. With Igor on the back end, Fox, you got Trocheck is going to look way better now with some more depth and help on his wing. Like that kid line is the one X factor that could go either way though in the playoffs. Who knows? It could be one of those things where some like. Backchecking checking veteran like a you know like that perry belmar whatever combo or what sorelli's on their third whatever tampa has on their third line might not be as talented but they might know how to shut them down so we'll see i think that third lines that that's going to be their true x factor i think adding tank in their top six now gives them as good a top six as anyone in the anyone in the east for sure and i would probably say the west too because i don't necessarily see any colorado's had so many injuries this year they had their long playoff run last year i don't necessarily i mean i know they won with kemper last year but i i feel like they still downgraded their goaltending in some way um so i i don't see them as this like juggernaut this year to repeat or anything i mean it could definitely happen they could get everybody back in time for the playoffs and they're all fine but to me it's the east or bust right now with all the best teams and this just obviously adds to the arms race um But it does refute the part last week where I said that Timo Meyer is probably going to have to move first before Tank does. So that's interesting. Another interesting wrinkle or story that came out after this trade was that Patrick Kane was mad about it. Which, I mean, I'm happy about that. Great. You waited too long, buddy. You waited too long and you've had a garbage season and you're probably hurt and not saying it or something. So it's kind of your own fault. Because everybody knew you wanted to go there. They probably knew you wanted to go there. I mean, hypothetically, you could get mad at your GM for not just moving you for whatever he could get. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? I mean, you could ask him. I guess what was on the board and if it was worse or better than they got for Panarin, then I guess or for Tarasenko, then I guess you could. I don't know. Think about it that your own way. But if I am the GM, I am not telling him. Be like we couldn't work out a deal, and now bye bye. <laughs> so is there some like so there is there's all this talk or I've heard for a while now because he's been playing so bad and potentially was hurt that Kane is, there was a talk that he might just sign a one year deal with the Blackhawks and come back next year and then get traded at the deadline when he's ideally had a better season. And to me personally, I think that's hundred percent what they should be doing. Um, Unless you think of trades out there that you want to make right now, you're, there's no way you're selling him for lower value. Ideally you structure his contract next season in a way that this cap hit isn't as high as his dollar value um like signing bonus or something I'm not 100% I don't know how that works but I'm sure there's a way you could figure it out so when the trade deadline happens next year or closer to the trade deadline like his cap hit is only like two or three million or something like that um I think this is a way and the other part of that is the Blackhawks have to hit the cap floor next year like they, if they they can't trade every single guy, then they're just gonna be you. You have to re-sign guys. You have to have a team to play. I don't really want to do this big deep dive right now, but like Jake McCabe is out there, and they probably should trade him because his you're probably not gonna get more for him. Seth Jones, obviously, I'm assuming, isn't going anywhere. So that's nine point five. Connor Murphy at four point four. I'm sure you can't find a taker for that yet, so you can hold on to him you have Caleb Jones who you're probably going to resign he's currently making 1.3 you're probably going to give him a raise for sure uh but then other than that you got like a bunch of like but that's not even so essentially you're going to be trading Jake McCabe so you're going to have 13.5 million and two defensemen and then a bunch of like million dollar guys uh you have Marzouk next year at 3.8 so that's ideal uh who knows who his backup's going to be but if you if like this I think you gotta sign a backup for like three or four million. So you have two goalies. Uh you have only one point three in dead cap for next year. You have one point not like your recapture on Duncan Keith's gonna go, though I don't think that's a dead cap, so that doesn't count. I don't know. Okay, up front. Okay, so you're gonna Taves and Kane are both UFAs. Let's just assume they both one of them comes back and one of them doesn't. So they're probably not gonna make ten five again. Let's just say they make eight. You have Tyler Johnson for one more year at five. You're probably not going to be able to move him, so you're fine there. Fantasy and Domi are both UFAs, so let's just assume they move both of them. You have Jason Dickinson at 2.6. You're fine there. Uh, and then it's just a bunch of million-dollar guys. So that's assuming. Well, let's assume you don't bring back Kane and Taves. That leaves you with, uh, let's say, five, seven, eight, nine, like 12 million in forwards And let's call it 16 million in D, 17 million in D. So you're looking at, what, 30 million, give or take? That's not going to get you to the cap floor. I don't know necessarily what the cap floor is, and I can't see it in front of me right now. Um, But I feel like it's 40 or 50 million, if not higher than that. Um, So you're going to have to figure... You have to figure something out there because you just can't sign every, you can't just give $10 million to every free agent. Um. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Like you got to be eating contracts right now. This is the team that should be eating contracts for picks at the deadline. Like you need to be eating long. Like you need to find a team that's trying to get rid of a guy that's making four or 5 million that isn't performing to that. And has one or like two or three more years left. And just grab that guy for whatever you can get, like, capital, like, draft capital-wise. And then, obviously, you got to make those picks. But we'll see. I'm interested to see what they do vis-a-vis actually signing guys. Um, Because they're obviously going to keep doing the, like, like they did with the fantasy U and Domi. Like, I'm sure those guys did not get offered $3 million from anybody else. Um, So, you just... Buy a bunch of guys like that. Sell them at the deadline. Just do that until you're... Like, the least at that for a while. With PA Parento and Winnick and stuff like that. Like, you just bring in a bunch of guys that you think are players that just need... And then you elevate them into positions they're usually not into or find the best spot for them. Pump their value up. Pump and dump. There you go. Bye-bye. All done. Okay, so that was the big trade... Of Wow. Okay. You click so many windows and then you can't, but I, I'm a hundred. Well, we got the Magna trade, but we don't need to talk about that. That seems like silly to talk about. Um, so I'm going to do some contract talk now. Uh, first of all, we have, i don't think I talked about this last week, but the capital signed Sonny Milano, 27 year old Sonny Milano to a three year, $1.9 million contract for some reason. And then they got 26-year-old Dylan Strom locked up for five years at $5 million, uh, even though he was a free agent and has, like, what, 20 points this year? How many points does he actually have? 36 points, 54 games, minus seven. And I bet you now that Backstrom's back, a lot of those points are going to dry up. I still don't think he's 25 he's had one season of 50 points basically with the Blackhawks where he basically went almost point per game in 18-19 after coming over from the Coyotes probably because he was playing with Kane and Taves or something like that the whole time like just because you're good playing with Kane doesn't help I get that Washington is Trying to keep this window open. But like this isn't. A, I don't. I feel like he doesn't bring you what this team needs. To be honest. <laughs> like I don't. I, I. Are you thinking about him as a replacement for Backstrom? Oh, I guess. I, I guess. I mean he's a career minus 37. He's never really played for. He's generally only played for bad teams. But. I don't like Kuznetsov isn't exactly good defensively either um Lars Eller is like feels like he's 125 now I feel like he's not bringing you the offensive upside nor the defensive capability that you would want to see in a 2c um and now you've given him a long-term deal when as far as I'm concerned he hasn't necessarily proven over his career that he even deserves a five-year contract like five years like I get that it's you're buying essentially his peak seasons, but what's a peak season for him? What is he going to have 70 points next year? If he, okay, if he, if he can break 70 points one season on this contract, then that, I guess that's something. But other than that, like if he doesn't do that once or consistently break 50 points for the entire life of the contract with decent pot, like you can't be like 55 points in a minus 28. Like that's not, that's not helping. Anyways, I, I the years is what throw me off. I feel like you could have given him a three year deal at five million, walk him till he's twenty nine. Ovechkin's retired by then. You can start over. Like you, now you're potential. Now you're. I'm assuming this guy's potentially still going to be around when Ovechkin retires. And to me, as soon as that guy's retired, you got to be locking it out. Like it's game over. Like you shut her down and you start over. They got nothing. You just. You're kicking the can down the road till he's done. So this feels like a weird... To me, you should be only signing contracts until the year you think he's going to retire. (laughs) Like, that's what you should be doing. So that year after he's gone, you it's like open season. Open season. You can take bad money. You can sign uh, an elite player that's available if you want to build a team around. Whatever. Offer sheet, if that's still a thing that people do. I'm assuming not your sole strategy as the Washington Capitals should be, how do we look at, and even if you're the current GM and you're not going to last pass over you anyway, why are you giving this guy, oh, I don't, very confusing, very confusing to me, anyway, so obviously Boho ever talked about last week, okay, so this is another confusing part for me, this is where a team wins and a player potentially to me personally loses, this is also what I brought up when Jack Hughes signed his deal, and now look how that's going. He makes like eight million dollars a year, and he's gonna be like he's probably by next year, if not this year, probably going to be worth twelve. So I know of millions are millions, but still, like that's you, yeah, weird. You're talking about uh, an era where young people, young players, are making a bunch of money, but it's still going to be the older players making the most because it's going to be like uh Matthews and McDavid and McKinnon and guys like that in their like early early to mid thirties making like twelve to fourteen million while like Jack Hughes is still making eight. Um weird. And Jack Hughes might be the best player. Who knows? Who knows what'll happen by then. Anyway, so Dylan Cousins, twenty two year old Dylan Cousins signed a seven year, seven point one million dollar contract. With the Buffalo Sabres, uh, Who evidently love Signing players for 7 year contracts um, And now Have a bunch of guys just whacked up In, in years for a long time uh, Including Tage Thompson Now Dylan Cousins up front uh, And then they have Obviously Matias Samuelson And I will assume After this offseason RFA to be Rasmus Stalin will be getting a 7 or 8 year contract uh, And then shortly After that who knows maybe even Owen Power so it's not like they have really bad money on them. Like, honestly, Jeff Skinner is still their highest paid player. Um, Thompson's making 7-1. Cousins now making 7-1. Matias Samuelson's only making 4-2. I'm assuming Darlene's going to be the highest play. Like I'm assuming Darlene's getting 9. 8 by 9? Eight- he should be signing at least an 8 by 10. Um, to me personally with the cap going up, but that's just me. We're not talking about him. We're talking about Dylan Cousins. So Dylan Cousins is 22 years old. He hasn't really necessarily broken out or anything like that. Uh, he is a first round pick seventh overall in 2019. He is highly touted if you will. Um, currently he has 44 points in 50 games. So you could say that he is, Showing signs that he will be a player in this league. Why are you signing? The cap is going up. You're on a team that desperately wants to retain players. You're 22 years old. You just keep kicking the can. Get a three-year deal. Sign three for whatever. Like, What are you worried about? That you like how many players do we honestly know? Can you think of off the top of your head that were 22 year old RFAs that kicked the can down the road and then suddenly their career was over? Like, what Brian Berard? Like, does that even count? Does that even he still end up playing? I just don't get it. Like, to me, this is not if I'm like Austin Matthews has one. like, the fact that, yeah. You should not be signing a deal like this. This is more than you're worth right now. But how many years is it going to be till this is less, like less than you're worth? One year, two years of this deal? Like, are you even going to make it halfway through a seven year contract? Like, you didn't have to, it doesn't even start till next season, obviously, right? So imagine signing a contract and after one year into it, you realize you're undervalued. Why would you want to do that to yourself? You won't care. You honestly won't care? Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't. Like I mean, hockey players are pretty boring. Maybe they won't care. But if you're 3 years into a 7-year contract and you're breaking 80 points a season and you're only making 7.1 million and you were 22 and you actually had pedigree, this isn't Tage Thompson. Who's 25 and just this is like, I'll just take this con. Yes, please give it. Like, I would have done 100% if I was Tate Thompson, I would have signed that contract too. That's fine. That makes sense to me. He could over, he could outplay, he probably will outplay that contract, but he doesn't care because he was written off for a lot of years and he was the butt end of the jokes of the Rhino and all this stuff. He's only 25, but still, that's fine. But they offered you this money and you're 22. And you were a first-round pick, and you're already good. You've been good everywhere. It's just silly, just silly. What if three years from now you hate Buffalo? You don't know. You don't know where you're going to be in your life in three years. And just because you're on a cheaper deal doesn't mean they're gonna trade you. It's just weird, weird. Talking about not knowing where your life's gonna be, so you signed a long-term contract. Yeah, you don't know where your life's gonna be, so take the short term deal. Take the short term deal. You're in Buffalo. Buffalo. Come on. Weird. Just don't just don't get it. Just don't get it. Don't you want to maximize your earnings? Don't you wanna like isn't that the point? You only get one career. So weird. It's just so weird. I just... The Hughes one still blows my mind. Like, honestly, if Rasmus Dahlien signs his contract this year and he's making more than Jack Hughes, can you imagine? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing, Mr. Hughes? <laughs> like, honestly. Like, I know all these kids are generally from rich families now because that's the only way you can afford to play hockey. So I guess the money ultimately doesn't matter to them because they could not play hockey and probably still be fine. And have lots of money but still weird. Okay, 26-year-old Thomas Novak signed a 1-year $800,000 contract with the National Predators. Who cares? 24-year-old Connor Timmins signed a 2-year $1.1 $1. 1 million deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think he's actually good. Not okay. He's a defenseman that could play in the National Hockey League and he might still have untapped upside. He is 24 years old. You have him for one more year at 1.1 million. Let's go. I'm happy about it. Let's go. Two more years, 1.1. Let's go. Let's go. That's perfect. Right hand shot. 25 26 season. Yep. I'm okay with that. That's ideal. You gave up nothing and you probably found something. That's what you want. Okay, 25 year old Josh Mahura. Florida Panthers signed to a one year 925 contract. Uh good fit there after coming over from Anaheim um 25 years old still kick the can down the road contract let's try it one more year and then we'll talk and they got a bunch of cap crap to go through so even after that massive deal they still got a lot to worry about down there uh 22 year old jordan harris signed a two-year 1.4 million dollar contract with the canadians he is uh fine okay 31 year old fionics Copley signed a one-year, $1.5 million cap hit deal with the LA Kings, uh, which I assume means that Mr. Pedersen is going to be finding his way out somewhere, or they think Quick is going to retire after the season. I don't know. Um, But it is kind of nice to at least see 31-year-old Phonics um, rewarded for the season he's having, uh, basically, essentially, keeping the Kings in the playoff hunt However, um, I feel like the LA Kings probably know that they have no chance in the playoffs with him as their starter. It's just not happening. Not happening. I heard the – so let's do some rumors maybe. Do some rumor stuff. Um, Okay, so Chikrin's been scratched. um, And I believe some other Coyotes have been scratched tonight. I didn't look at the list. I I don't even know if that's 100% true, but – it's definitely, Chikorin's been scratched, and it sounds like will be scratched until he's traded. Um, so that, you would assume, means that there are probably a few different offers on the board for this guy. And Arizona's either flexing on one to get more out of the other, who knows. But it would you would assume that, and knowing how it usually goes with this podcast, I'm going to assume that by tomorrow when this podcast comes out on Tuesday, that this deal will have gone through either while I'm recording the podcast, um, which I feel like I would have got a text about from somebody, so maybe I don't have to worry about checking that. Uh, Or it'll probably come out right after or something. Anyways, either way, I feel like by next week, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about a Jacob Chicken trade. If he does, in fact, go to the LA Kings, I will do what I can to have Tyler on to talk about that. Uh, there have also been a bunch of trades in the big pool um, that I want to have Sean on to talk about. So uh, I'm hoping next week and maybe the week after I'll be able to have some co-hosts on. Um, and hey, if you want to co-host the podcast and you think uh, think you want to try that even, come on for a little segment or something, uh, give me a shout. I'm willing to give somebody a try and see what happens. Um, you know, I'm sure nobody will reach out. But hey, if any of your listeners think you want to come on the pod, let me know. We'll try it just a skype thing we don't have to get too fancy with it um yeah okay trade rumors jacob chikrin obviously is one of them uh apparently it was brant clark and then no kings won't do brant clark and i've heard potentially veg is going to be going with him and Pedersen would be coming the other way um i think veg would be a good fine pickup for the kings compared to like then you can have copley be your backup again um, which is probably, or you just go back and forth, but vegmelka I mean, from a fantasy perspective, if both those guys are on the same team, then I would have the Kings duo in Auction plus Bob, and I guess that's not terrible, it's nicer to have three teams, but, I mean, at least I get a guaranteed Kingster, and they're a decent team, so that's, okay, I, mean, I guess that's not terrible. Um, other places he could potentially go, I really don't, I mean, okay, so Vegas is now the wild card because with Mark Stone more than likely being out um, till the playoffs or maybe for the rest of the year, they have a lot of cap space potentially that they could flex right now. And you know they need to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Let's just do a little Vegas Golden Knights check-in here on the standings. Uh, I don't have the, I would say 99% of the time uh, when I'm doing my prep for this podcast, I always make sure to have the standings in front of me On a tab because I don't look at or I honestly don't really look at them uh, ever, especially the last few seasons, um, because it doesn't really seem to matter too much uh, what place my favorite team is in uh, because they're playing Tampa or Boston regardless, it seems. So let's see here. Where are the Vegas? Okay, so Vegas is currently in first place in the Pacific, um, so good for them. Seattle's in second, and then we have the Edmonton Oilers, who we're going to talk about in the trade room shortly. Lockdown in third, but they are technically tied with the Los Angeles Kings, but they have one more win, so I assume that would be the tiebreaker. Five points back of that are the Calgary Flames, and then you have the Canucks, Sharks, and Ducks, who are just barely a functioning franchise according to this playoff format. Let's do the wildcard check-in just for funsies. Over in the West, uh, we have Los Angeles and Minnesota currently in your two wildcard spots. Uh, Minnesota is also tied with Calgary, and then four points back is Nashville. Uh, but Nashville has some games in hand on everyone. So I, St. Louis is basically out of it. Vancouver is basically out of it. So is there any playoff? Wow. This is very exciting NHL. Thank you. Are there literally any playoff chases going on right now? So the Islanders are one point back of Pittsburgh now. Some what the hell? I did not. Okay. Uh, and two points back of Washington, though they don't have any games in hand. Pittsburgh has four on them. Uh, and then the Panthers are three out. Buffalo's five out. Detroit is seven out, and so is Philly. Let's just take them out so Buffalo potentially Florida and the Islanders and then what do you have in the so I would say the only playoff we have a wild card race amongst let's say one two three four five generously s- no let's then we gotta include Philly we're not doing no they don't miss me okay let's say six teams wild card chase in the east and then a four team wildcard chase in the west uh i would say well maybe not in this maybe not in the west um so much as a chase amongst the one two three and those the divisions there there's still player teams that could go in and out um interesting The East is, I would say, locked up in your top three in both. I mean, the Rangers are now in the third spot in the Met, and they are eight points up on the Caps, and the Caps, the Rangers have two games in hand on them. And then Tampa Bay is 12 points up on Florida. So that's probably also weird. Okay, I don't know how we got... Oh, I was looking at the standings for Vegas. That's Wow, I actually got myself back by myself. Can you believe that? I'm actually impressed that I got myself back. Okay, so Vegas is in a good spot for playoffs right now, and they are eight points up on potentially being out of the playoffs. So, barring any crazy... I mean, it could happen, but you could assume that Vegas is going to probably make the playoffs this year, which means that they are going to be out there looking for... I don't think they necessarily need a defenseman. Um, I think they're probably more looking for a forward, I would assume. And I would assume a center, but... I'm not quite sure there. Um, So the other big rumor that I wanted to touch on here is... Mr. Eric Carlson potentially moving to the Edmonton Oilers. Normally, normally, I would want this trade to happen because I think it's funny uh, when Ken Holland does um, silly things Um, and I get to make fun of him or say it's bad. However, when I first heard this rumor, that was my initial reaction. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm sure they're going to figure that one out. And then the more I heard about it and the more I thought about it, you have to do this. Both teams have to do this. So let's just do the Oilers' perspective. Because I have some thought. I had a thought on what the trade format could potentially look like. And there was an article on The Athletic today by, since I have it up here, uh, Alan Mitchell, who covers the Oilers, and the trade that he kind of eventually proposed after kind of going through essentially his thought process and how he got there, um, is essentially the package that I had in my head I with one more piece that I wasn't expecting um, at all. However, if you are the Edmonton Oilers and you can make this deal without subtracting a significant part of your forward group. You have to do this all day. I don't care. They don't really have any big prospects. I would move anything, anything that isn't currently a key part of my roster or something that Carlson then doesn't replace when he comes back. That's different. If you're replacing a defenseman with a Carlson, then that's that's fine. You can send that defenseman back, which is part of the package I thought of. Um, but you got to add this guy. He's peaking right now. I know there's four more years left. I know it's a lot of money. You're obviously going to have to get a bunch of it retained. Now, San Jose is probably not going to want to retain half because of how many years are left. I personally think they should and just flex for more assets just get this you this is your literal so this is a one-time opportunity I feel like for both teams for the Oilers it's a potentially a one-time opportunity to add arguably one of the greatest defensemen of his era in essentially potentially and more than likely his last good season like his last peak oh my god he's that guy again season now maybe it happens again and great then you got more value out of this like out of this trade absolutely but you have you he, you have to add this guy. This guy has won playoff series by himself before. He carried a team essentially on one ankle to almost the Stanley Cup final. He is an absolute, no doubt, game changer. And you have nothing like him on your defense. Not even like, not even remotely close. Not even remotely close. You have anything on that Oilers defense that brings to the table where Carlson brings the table. And I know they have an amazing power play, and they don't need it to get better. But that's not—you don't play an entire playoffs on power play. Who cares? That's not why you bring him in. You're bringing him in for the transition game, for what he can do offensively, for even for net pulled situations. You can put him out as your sixth skater. Like, to, you have to bring this guy in. You have to have to have to have to have to have to have to. If you're Ken Holland and the Oilers, you got to make this deal happen. And I know that that – so the bigger problem is that you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl coming up eventually to need new contracts, and you signed a bunch of random guys to to deals for too long like Hyman and Kane. And I'm sure if I looked, there'd be a, like obviously Darnell Nurse. And you, that's where making this trade makes it a little more difficult for you because if you didn't have all that money locked up for long term with guys that aren't McDavid and Dreisaitl, then this would be even easier to swallow because you have a... So now you're adding an extra 5-ish million potentially during the year where you want to re-sign those guys or both those guys or one of them or one and then the other. However it works out. That's tough. However, you still got to do this deal. Still have to do it. 100%. You have to make this deal happen. And I'm assuming Carlson will go. I know he has a very... Thick no trade clause, but I'm assuming he's going to waive to go to Edmonton to play with McDavid and have a chance at the Stanley Cup. Like you would assume so. And if they do make this trade, goaltending aside, I think that makes them the best team in, probably the best team in the West on paper right now. Like I honestly think that they don't have the goaltending, um, and I know a goalie can get hot and do whatever. It happens, but if they can add this guy, that I don't even like their bottom six at all. But to me, adding this guy who's going to play probably 22 to 25 minutes a night, if not more in the playoffs, he's going to chew up so much time that he's going to make the other defensemen way better. He's going to make your forwards better. He's going to make all your forwards better. Like, I I think they have to do this. Absolutely have to make this trade. Okay. San Jose perspective. You have to make this trade. You have to, have to, have to. Because honestly, I know earlier in the year when we were talking about San Jose, I basically said, you get rid of this guy for anything. You just have to move this contract. You're going to have to retain salary. That's fine. You're going to get more assets for that. You retain it. You eat it. You get rid of him. You get rid of him. This gives you an actual chance as a franchise. This signals that you're starting over. You're moving this guy. You move Timo Meyer. You are starting over. Like you are hitting the reset. You got Eklund coming in. You have guys coming in. You probably will be getting a nice high pick this year. Maybe you get Bedard. Regardless, Eric Carlson is not going to be helping you as a franchise, period, for the rest of his contract. He's essentially hurting you right now because he's playing so well, he's helping you win games. You don't want that if you're the San Jose Sharks. Me, personally, it would be very hard for me to not just be like, okay, what can we do to make this happen as quickly as possible? The proposed trade here by Alan Mitchell in The Athletic is this, and this is mostly the, so I'll tell you what I, so my in my head, I was like, okay, you're getting Carlson, immediately I'm like, well, you're going to send Barry back. Okay, well, you can't send Barry back because you need to put some value in the trade. Because if you don't put, if you put Barry in the trade, then you have to send a good forward, like you have to send some capable asset back as a player. You can't just send, oh, here's a bunch of garbage contracts and a pick. Like, they're not going to accept that. It's pretty clear. You're not going to send one of your forwards, and I don't even know who they would send, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think they have a forward that would show any value for San Jose right now. Um, so, to me personally, the only guy on their entire roster right now who is tradable, or who they would trade, because apparently Ken Holland is all up in the Philip Broberg, is is Evan Bouchard. So it's Evan Bouchard. You're going to have to dump money. So that's Poole And there's value there as far as I'm, if I'm the Sharks and I'm, that's fine. I'm not telling him, I'm not telling the Oilers that I see him as value potentially. But if I'm the Sharks, I'm totally fine with having him come to me and seeing what I can figure out with him. Then he also, and then I had this year's first and that was my package in my head. I was like, Bouchard, Poole a 2023 first. That's the package that I thought would get it done. He says it has to be another first 2024. Alan Mitchell. Um, I'm also fine with doing that if I'm Edmonton. And if I am San Jose and I am pulling, if I could even just get Philip Bush or Evan Bouchard, if I could get Evan Bouchard and a first form, I would do it. So to get Pouliarvi and another first potential, like if that is the actual trade and they say no to that, that's just, that's insanity. And if I'm Edmonton, do it. You don't, you want, you basically have wave pool, at this point, Bouchard, you obviously, whatever. He's nowhere at Carlson, clearly. So it doesn't matter. And he's not going to be Eric Carlson in the years that you need him to be. Um, And your two picks are irrelevant. Who cares? Completely irrelevant. You should be trading first round picks until Conor McDavid retires. Honestly, get rid of them. Who cares? Like who, the last penguins were ro- like the, the back-to-back, oh, see, this is something I can't look up myself because it would take too long. It would be a bunch of dead air, and I'm just not going to do it. But I would be interested to know that if you looked at the Penguins back-to-back Cup Stanley Cup winners, how many of those players were drafted in the first round by the Penguins? Other than the obvious, like the core of it, right? Your Flurry, your Latang. Like once that core was built and that team started going, how many first-round picks did Pittsburgh make that actually impacted that roster and were a significant piece of that team? I bet you none. I bet you not a single one. And and that partly might be because they drafted poorly and that might be because they traded all their first-round picks. But if they did and they have two Stanley Cups from it for arguably one of the better players of all time, then I think we're overrating first-round picks. Not only as... I think in fantasy we're overrating them too, but that's a whole other discussion. But I think personally as fans, I think we overrate not only first round, but like draft picks in general. I think we need to start looking at it way more. Like I think a fan base does that one trade, like Toronto has the famous, well Toronto has hundreds of them, or at least multiple ones in my lifetime even, you have the Kessel trade that turned into Tyler Sagan. We have the Tyler Biggs trade that turned into John Gibson and Rick Ricard Raquel. I'm sure there are other ones that I could think of off the top of my head. Whoever the hell people wanted over Lilligren. Um, at one point, there was the Mitch Marner-Noah Hannafin decision, so I'm glad that they went with the right one there. But looking back on it, when, when your team drafts a guy in the first overall, or the first round, the odds of them making your team, unless they're a top pick and if they make your if they do make your team and they're a top pick that probably means you have a shitty team and they need somebody on that roster which also probably means that guy's still not going to be very good for a like you're probably looking at two to three years for sure before any pick in that draft affects your roster unless you have one of the and even that it's like even in two to three years like you're not winning a cup with that guy more than likely so when you think about your team trading a first round pick or trading a prospect, even a top prospect, look at think of your team three years from now. And all the players that you have and how old they'll be, and how like whatever good players you have, what their contract situation will be. And if that player at 45 points or whatever it would be, like that's not gonna matter. And by the time that you're and if you're like oh then they'll be bad and we we'll you play yeah but good you have to be bad that's what they reward right now in this they reward the bad teams with high picks even with the lottery it's still happening you have to be bad you have to be bad you just hope you're not bad forever but being bad is part of hockey being truly bad is part of hockey now like the best thing the least did were said we're actually going to be bad we're going to allow ourselves to be shitty. We're going to sign PA Parenteau and Daniel Winnick and all these guys and just let them just add up all these nice early first round picks and look how it's working out. This is the, that's the model and it's not their model. It's not even the Tampa model, I wouldn't necessarily say, but they're a big sign of it too because the Oilers screwed it up, obviously, right? They had all those first round picks, first overalls, and they didn't do anything with it. It didn't go anywhere. They made bad bets. They made bad trades. They got too anxious. They got too excited. They thought these guys were gonna come in and change the world. And they needed three, they needed years, they needed to mature, they needed to not have all that pressure. I don't know. Don't worry about your team trading a first round pick if you're going to a playoff spot. If you're like one of those mushy metal teams, yeah. But if you have a legitimate shot at winning a Stanley Cup in that year, everything should be on the table. And if you're a Leafs fan and you're saying Matthew Nyes is my deal breaker, you need to like look in the mirror and know this guy's just he's just a player. He's not Marner. He's not Nylander, He's not Matthews. He's not Tavares. He's not Riley. He's he's at his absolute absolute peak. Probably going to be like a sixty-ish point tweener winger type thing. Maybe even a center. Maybe maybe he'll be like a, a poor man's Tucsi. But it won't matter because he's not going to be a whatever. Trade him, please. If you have to. If you got it like Timo Meyer, yeah, you trade him for that. You trade him for that. He's an RFA. You might be able to flip that guy. Like that's, that would be hilarious to see, is them trade for Meyer, can't re-sign him in the offseason, and then you trade him again as an RFA, and you essentially recoup everything you traded for. I'm inter- I, I personally don't see a way that the Leafs trade for Meyer without the thinking that they can actually re-sign him and still keep their core together. So... I'm, he's to me the one, like if I am the New Jersey devils, I am doing everything I can to get Timo Meyer on board. Like they also have potentially a legitimate shot at win- like that's tough East, but they got a good team. They got a good team. Uh, I would love to be here sit here and be like, Oh yeah, it's the East. hundred percent East is going to win the Stanley cup this year. But, um, I think it probably could happen, but It sucks that it's currently, the date is February 13th. And if it wasn't for fantasy hockey, I would literally probably not be watching hockey until the playoffs started. Like I would probably not watch another Leafs game until the playoffs started. Like I just don't. There's no reason. There's honestly no reason. They're not changing. They're either going to be playing at home against Tampa or on the road against Tampa. That's it. That's all there is. Those are the options. So I don't know what to tell you, but this podcast is done for this week. I will talk to you next week.